podcast from Two and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and a mic. Nathan and I want to talk about presidents. We actually want to talk about recent presidents. What's going on with them and why are they as they are? We want to talk about customs, precedents and protocol because everyone talks about how Trump broke with tradition and did this or did that. But where does this tradition all come from? And was it right in the first place? Also, when we look back, How we look back depends so much on what we are taught. Is everything we think we know anywhere near the truth? Does that truth even matter? We wanted to put into context just how good, bad or whatever recent presidents have been by setting up our own grading system. Each and every president will have an episode dedicated to them and we will mark them on the basis of what they did. We will not be kind, we will be objective. Aiden, by the way, is great in finding his way through murky waters in the most delightfully expressive manner. Thank you so much, Aiden. I hope you enjoy it. Aiden, thank you very much for joining me again. It's always fun to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, Zach. How are you? Good, thank you, good. I cannot complain. Um, I, I recently spent the weekend in Cologne with my brothers and my uncle uh, nice. dr- drinking copious amounts of Kölsch, which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Kölsch beer, but it's basically served in 200 milliliter glasses. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, and the thing is, it, your glass cannot remain empty. So as soon as you finish <laughs> it, somebody comes around and replenishes it or gives you a new glass altogether. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> You end up drinking copious amounts and you don't even know it. And it's yeah, <laughs> that does sound like a really good time. Like that sounds <laughs> dangerously fun. <laughs> it was definitely entertaining, I have to say. But uh, yeah, but you've also had a, a celebration. You you celebrated your your 22nd birthday. So congratulations for that. Thank you very much. I made it another year and uh, I'm going to just keep chugging, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we always get like a, a colorful uh, conversation with you. So uh, I, I really enjoy the way that you you express yourself. And it's very different to um, how, you know, I sort of the communication that I have with other people. And that is brilliant. Yeah. So I've always oh. said I love diversity um, and diversity comes in every different kind of uh, manner, as it were, or measure. And so uh, diversity of you know opinions and uh, conversational style and rhythm um, is also something to be appreciated. So thank you for, for that. Sure. too. Yeah, thank uh, you. Appreciate yeah. that. So we were talking, um, I can't remember when, um, and I wanted to ask you, I think we we're probably debating whether or not we should talk about Trump and um within that conversation we we sort of collectively got to this idea that it would be unfair to simply do an episode criticizing trump 
um, and tr comparing him to other presidents without actually talking about the other presidents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we were we were kind of going back and forth between like because we we have done a lot of like shitting on Donald Trump. And we were kind of wanting to balance it out with with Clinton and talk about the Democrats a little bit more as well, just to kind of be like, hey, the Democrats also aren't good. Um, and we were thinking about like trying to rate them. And then it was like, well, how do we like stack them up to other presidents? And so then it was just the like, let's just go through all of them. And so, yeah, I think I'm excited to go through like presidents that I've never heard about don't really know too much about there's i'm sure that there's going to be like one really really short episode because there's a we have a president who died like like a few weeks into his term in office like there are going to be like some interesting things that i'm just excited to dig into so i'm stoked about it yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a great chat i mean we're starting with uh george washington uh, mm -hmm. of course uh, which is you know, probably the sensible option seeing as he was the first um and then we'll go through them all. As you say, a lot of them we probably haven't even heard of. Some of them are yeah. quite sinister and others uh, have a great reputation. And we're going to try to yeah, identify whether or not they deserve the good reputation that they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, George Washington, he's your uh, he's your guy. He's Mr. number one. He's, he's my guy. I'm an American <laughs> patriot and he's my he's my guy. He, the whole time that I was doing research on him, I was just like, I can't really find out too much about you that's, like, particularly interesting. <laughs> and that was really just kind of, like, you're very, like, stock, standard dude, right place, right time. Like, you were born into the right family, and you just kind of played your cards right. Like, it didn't really feel like, like, he's a super charismatic leader, really soft-spoken, like tall motherfucker and like commanded the respect of everybody but like this dude really just wanted to hang out at mount vernon and just like kick back with his slaves and i mean like that's the big thing that i would like to talk about is like the way that like mount vernon operated with slaves and like i i there was some stuff that i learned and i'm not like defending his slavery by any means whatsoever because it it's not like when i remember learning about george washington i didn't know that the, the dude had slaves i would have been nice to know <laughs> but like he he was a lot more liberal with his slaves compared to a lot of other slave owners uh during the time um like I mean, he allowed his slaves to go over to other plantations to visit friends and family. Um, they were they had Sunday off, which was pretty typical, but like they didn't go through punishments often. They were very sparse and like they didn't they just didn't happen super often. Um, and I'm not saying that that's like a great thing by any means, but just comparatively to how a lot of other slaves were treated during the time. It felt kind of like George Washington, like, of course, he had the monetary gain in his head because he's a Virginian planter. Like, that's just, of course, he's going to be thinking about that. But, like, by the time that he died, he his slaves were freed a year later, uh, before Martha's death even, which was in the will. So, like, there's just, like, interesting stuff about his slaves and the way that Mount Vernon operated that just, like, I was like, I didn't know any of this stuff. This is the interesting stuff to me. Um mm. Well, yeah. how, how did Mount, Mount Vernon operate? Um, 
you know, if you can name just you know, sort of a couple of things, you know, shed a bit of light on it, because I didn't come across that in in my research. So it would be great to sort of fill in that gap. Yeah, I can't remember what kind of crops they grew, but I'm pretty sure Virginia at the time was a tobacco cr- uh, colony. Um, so I imagine that they were probably doing tobacco. Um, <clears throat> but by the time that George Washington had passed away, there were 300 and... Hold on. I think it was like 318 slaves. He had eight, 318 slaves. And like he when he was a kid, he had a few slaves that like his father, like I think he inherited through one of his parents. Um, but like just in like the normal operations of Mount Vernon, like George Washington wasn't at Mount Vernon often. So the slaves didn't always have stuff to do like of course they had work to do but they were also able to be very liberal in the stuff that they did so like they stole and they set fires to the crops and they did stuff slowly so that way they could kind of just buy more time to do more stuff that they wanted to do um and they weren't caught super often because they're like george washington wasn't there and he didn't really give a fuck um like he had moments where he did and he did say like a few times that like some of the punishments that were given out were appropriate and a lot of them were not like like they were like whippings and like he was like that is the just punishment for this crime and like so like it's not like he was the the bee's knees when it comes to being a slave owner but like in those operations it was just a lot more or not even a lot but just more liberal in fact the slave population had increased to it was at 28 percent when like in fairfax county which is where mount vernon is when I think it was in 1754, and then by the end of the Revolutionary War, the population of enslaved people was at 40%, um, and that was in like direct relation to Mount Vernon's increase of slaves. And it was through George Washington's marriage of Martha that he inherited like 120 or something slaves, like through that marriage, and he just suddenly had a bunch more slaves. Like I. Th- he he did purchase more slaves as his as he grew older, but a lot like Martha had the majority of the slaves, which I thought was a very interesting thing. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I, I mean, we read history books or we read through these historical accounts and, you know, the buying and selling of people. Um, you know, even when I come across it in fiction, you know, it, it is such a distasteful activity. Um, yeah. And I mean, nowadays, you know, people can say that the way that they work, it's akin to slavery, but it's optional slavery. You know, there's always um, a way out. There's always a variation that we can apply more or less always. As in, it's not mm. universal. Um, unfortunately, there are still many parts of the world where, you know, there is essentially enforced slavery, um, but definitely not in the West, I would say. Um and so, you know, we have to realize, even though George Washington, you know, may have represented or been represented as a sort of liberal slave owner, he's he was still a slave. He's still, yeah, yeah he's still a fucking <laughs> slave owner. Like, yeah. it's it's not like it changes the fact that the dude owned individual people as property and used them to his like benefit, like the entire time, like. 
he didn't free his slaves until after his death because he was like, I'd like to still make money off of Mount Vernon. Like, he's still a fucking slave owner. Like, I'd like to reiterate, I don't, I'm not trying to defend, like, the slavery. It's, it just felt really important to, to try to, like, put that out there just because that was something that I didn't know about. And he is also the only president that ever set free his slaves. Like, we don't have any other founding fathers or any other fucking president who was like, yep, and I'm going to free my slaves now. Like, George Washington was the only dude who did that. He did it after his presidency, but he was the only one who did that. Because mm. the next few presidents that we're going to talk about, specifically Jefferson, whoa, dude, like, heavy slaver. Like, it's just, you get into these founders and it's just like, dog, like, how can, how can we... S- still be like yeah this guy's awesome like just at least teach the history so that way when i come into this stuff later on in my life i'm not like whoa what the heck the dude who i've been like telling everybody's all he's awesome is not at all like fuck because that that happens like Invariably, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you get people who are patriotic and say, this isn't the world that our founding fathers created. Okay, yeah, sure, fair enough. But I mean, your, founded fa- your founding fathers had slaves. Is, yeah. is that the world you also would like to, to, to maintain? And their wives couldn't vote. You're still like that shit? Like, what the fuck, dog? Like, you're outing yourself in such a weird way that's just like, when you're when people are like, Man, the founders didn't want this country to be like this. Like, I want the country to be how the founders wanted it. It's like, dog, you are outing yourself in a lot of ways. Like, you're outing yourself for being racist. You're outing yourself for being misogynist. Like, it's just like, fuck, man. Like, these people are not, these people are not good people. They are just, like, right place, right time. They had moments of, like, they have good moments, as every individual does. Like, every human being has good moments and bad moments. But, like, overall, if you're still owning slaves throughout this entire period of your good doing, like, I feel like that just kind of negates it the entire time, you know? Like, yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, it's, it's how closely guarded some of these sort of negative stories are with regards to uh, George Washington, because... If you watch a documentary on on his life and his you know what he did, you only hear the good things. And you know they say that um, you know I watched a couple sort of in preparation for for this conversation, and it's like you know he was extremely, as you said, softly spoken. He's tall, he's athletic, one of the most dynamic. Um, he you know he's such a good horse rider and <laughs> and this and that and you know people ask you know should we call you um your greatness blah 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 what, what should we call you because obviously he's the first president so nobody really knows how how, how do you address this guy yeah. he said mr president so oh he's so humble um <laughs> you know okay fair enough yeah humility blah 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 but you know let, let's try to make things a bit more objective um and um, yeah, straight away. That's what you. Uh, that's what you. That's what you yeah. bring in. That's it. I, did, yeah? I couldn't help it. Just like as soon as I see, like as soon as I'm learning about it, I'm just like, damn, dude. Like, I don't know. It's just it's disappointing to realize that we're taught all this stuff and then it's just not the full truth. And that's it. Just 
I don't know. It disappoints me every single time because every time I'm like doing some research, I'm like doing a little bit of extra like, oh, I don't know about this small thing. And then I look into it. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? What? <laughs> like, why, why don't why don't why isn't either like talked about in that way or like why isn't it talked about, period? Like, it's always framed in a way to make it look like America is the good guy or that it's just not talked about at all. And it's always just like fuck, man. Like I, I want, I want the whole story, man. Like I want it all, and I don't get it. Like as soon as I was doing my research for this, I looked up like, I think I looked up like, uh, fuck, I can't remember. It was just like, it was like bad things about George Washington or something like that. Like things that George Washington has done that were not good. Something along those lines. It took a while to find anything because it feels like it is kind of like buried. You know what I mean? Like because it probably is being buried. Like it's probably like there are so many websites that are just like George Washington is awesome. George Washington is the greatest. He's the first president who's ever like and just like you have to sift through all of that garbage to find the like stuff that feels like it's not being talked about at all. And like I I didn't find much and I was very disappointed about that. (laughs) Mm. Well, I mean, it, it is unfortunately, you know, living in sort of the post-truth era that we are, um, that I- even if you uncover something which is perhaps not complimentary, people say, Psh, that's it. you don't be- you believe everything you see on the Internet. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, OK. Um, I mean, because that's a, in that case, let's not believe anything. Um, yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, as you say, there's a lot of positivity about George Washington and we want to be objective and I'm sure we'll touch on a few more of the positive things. But if somebody mm-hmm. just wants to hear positivity about uh, the presidents, then you know, this isn't going to be the series for you. Um, but if you want to hear perhaps some of the other elements of, of what these guys represented, then yeah, OK, let's let's give it a go. Um, so he's number one. Yeah. yeah. Um, basically, that obviously means that there's no set agenda um he kind of walks into his position because there was no white house at the time there was no washington at the time uh, as a city um so he he kind of walks into the role and then yeah what do i do um and so you know i I can imagine like any sort of uh, person who you know creates a startup company and is given <laughs> a bu- bucket load of cash now and sits down in their office and they say, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. Um, and then you undertake your, your activities. Um, George Washington was probably maybe one of the biggest startup managers, um, as it were, <laughs> if we can consider it that way. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, and he set a lot of precedents. Um, yeah. Some were good and perhaps some were not so good. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, he, de- he, he, he was good at delegating, I'm told. He was a good judge of character. He, he, he knew where to find talent. Mm. Um, but he was a bit of a gambler, too. Um, he, a bit of a risk taker. <laughs> um, and at the same time, he kind of, so he was a surveyor um, mm. by trade. Um, mm. And so, therefore, he partially designed the city of Washington. He partially designed the White House. He also helped design uniforms. 
Um, he was an interior decorator as well. So he kind of designed a bit of this and a bit of that. Yeah. Now, f- on the one hand, people say that he was good at delegating. And on the other hand, he's doing everybody else's job. So, <laughs> I mean, wh- do you know which what I mean? Which one is it? Yeah, which one is it, dog? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I-, I thought that the surveying thing was very interesting because if I'm not mistaken, he's doing all that surveying for the British. And then, like, later on, he ends up fighting for a British commander during the French Indian War. And, like, for that to kind of come full circle later on for him to, like, and now I've got my army and I'm going to fuck you guys up. Like, his <laughs> his tactic of, like, because, like, he was kind of just appointed to be the leader of the Continental Army. And he was like, okay, like, I'm going to do this. And he had the help of, like, like you said, like, he was good at delegating and figuring, like, finding good people to do things for him. Like, places where he didn't stride and wasn't, like, the strongest, it felt like he usually could find somebody to do that thing and do it better than he could. And so, like, General Knox, he ended up being his secretary of war once Washington became president. And like during the Revolutionary War, he ended up being like, hey, Knox, I need you to go to like steal some artillery from the British and bring it back. And if you can do this, like I'm going to keep you around. And he ended up doing it. And it pretty much like shifted the war from that point forward, like from that point like george washington's main like strategy with the british was just to like he kind of took war in a unconventional route compared to how it was typically done in the past like in those times it was like the british were lining up and in like squares and they were like lining up to fire at them and uh, the american like continental army uh kind of just wasn't doing that at all (laughs) like they were ambushing them in trees they were falling back slowly and attacking unexpectedly like they just kind of were doing things in whatever like if i'm not mistaken george washington is quoted as like his only thing that he could do was just to harass the british like and that's what ended up letting him win was just that general harassment and just like i'm gonna fuck with you until you're kind of just like like at a point where you can't do anything like you're you're an entire ocean away what the fuck are you gonna do about it (laughs) like it's gonna take months for people to get over here sorry (laughs) like it, it it's interesting to like his his wartime career is is kind of interesting like he was involved in many great battles i mean he is the leader it was six long years of just fucking just like some of the worst sounding stuff that i could imagine just like brutal cold winters like marching through swamps and like just oh my god just a whole and like the whole time having like your wife and children just kind of following you in a parade behind you like cleaning your clothes as you're fucking going into a battlefield like wow man that is that sounds horrible like and that the fact that like it's the whole family coming along on this like trip like fuck man i it it just seems like a crazy experience and i would not want to do that like i mean if if you have a a 
like something worth fighting for and you genuinely feel that passionate about it i can understand it but like i don't know if i can understand it for this one <laughs> like you're taxing me a little too high mm. <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is also you mentioned his his um you know, his sort of role uh in sort of fighting uh, essentially for the british but then also predominantly against the british mm -hmm. um but he wasn't the successful military leader that he's painted out to be either. So he lost yeah. more battles than he won. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, with regards to the uh, the War of Independence, as in, they were very close to giving up. And then they had a surprise victory. I think it was New Orleans, but I, I can't remember. Um, and, and and that kind of turned the tide, as it were. Yeah. Um, I think. I think skirmishing was very much the the sort of uh, the tactics that they had because they didn't have that uh, the, the British military um, rigidity, the training, uh, mm -hmm. and all of that that um, had preceded you know hundreds of years of, of, yeah. of, of military. So of course it's going to be different. Um, but I think this also is a great example of British um, arrogance. Um, and it's something which is quite well represented in the movie Patriot. So I'm not going to claim for one moment that, you know, that <laughs> Mel Gibson's effort is should be considered, um, you know, absolute fact or, or any kind of historical relevance. But they do well in communicating this arrogance of the Brits. Yeah, but what are yeah. they? Skirmisher. Yeah, this this. <laughs> band of militia you can't hold uh, an army with militia yeah um and and i think this this very much led to you know was perhaps one of the big reasons why the, the brits lost that war i i think that that's very true like it's this feeling of because i mean like you had mentioned like for the past century like even longer like britain had been building up the most impressive naval fleet in the world at the time like britain's navy is known throughout the world and is if in my opinion i like historically they are known for having one of the most impressive navies and militaries like they don't fuck around and they didn't fuck around but it was that I think you're right with like that arrogance of like what the heck are a bunch of farmers going to do like we're the british military the fuck and then they're just kind of harassing them and kind of coming at them in weird angles and then also getting the French to help them out. Like having the allies of the French became like so pivotal at the very end of just like and now we have the backing of like a real country because <laughs> like at this point in time America's not a real country. It is just a bunch of fucking colonies and people who have one shared like and common ideology and that's just i want to have like i want this land i want to keep this and i want to stay here and i don't want somebody to like kind of push me down in any way and like that cause is enough to get people riled up and fucking furious and beat the british back into a place where they can't do anything like six years is a long time to be at war that's a long like that's 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 a long time to just be doing anything really and to just be like i'm gonna keep doing this because fuck you man like i want to be an american like 
that's crazy. Like some part of me in the inside is like, that's so badass. <laughs> like, but at the same time, I'm like, God damn it. That's so dumb. <laughs> like, it's just so, I don't know. I get these con- like contradictory feelings when I think about like the past and like our, our founding as a, as an American, like, cause the whole time that I'm taught, like, it's like this awesome, badass thing. And America's so cool. And then it's like, but like what these guys are really fighting about kind of isn't that dope (laughs) like it's just not that awesome like you're seriously just kind of fighting for to continue the right to build this land out push these people away and keep on like having slaves and shit like you're not standing for things that i stand for as an individual like i don't stand for any of that shit like, I don't stand for slavery. I don't stand for Western expansion. I don't stand for being a misogynist. Like, and these were all things that these people were like, yes, yes, yes. And that sucks, man. Because like, like I said, the whole time that we're taught, it's just like this, this is awesome. This is so cool and so laid back and like not crazy sounding at all. And it sounds crazy, man. It sounds crazy. Well, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things there, and there are some you know, interesting sort of historical parallels in some of these elements. So what you're talking there about Western expansion. So there was this policy back in the day called Manifest Destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, yeah, I know about that. I'm an American. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and the way that I see that, I mean, I haven't studied Manifest Destiny, but I look at it and I think to myself, OK, in this case, manifest is definitely a verb. So they're basically telling people, you go out there and you take control of your destiny. So this is basically the expansion element of of that particular policy. Um, uh, As you say, uh, France came to the aid of this fledgling concept of an independent America. George Washington actually became an honorary Frenchman uh, in 1792 as well. Um, And a lot of the concept excuse me, of manifest destiny um, also has some kind of connection with um, the Francia, which later became France, um, as the Franks came over from Francia and then um, eventually their name was given to the French. Um, And so there is a connection in many ways between this concept of manifest destiny and um, the the French aristocracy, even dare I say it, the Merovingian kings and dynasty and so <laughs> on. So, yeah, I, I do kind of think that there is, um, because before we were talking about the Queen um, and her passing um, and, and the sort of historical element of the monarchy and what yeah. it represents. Um, and, and I think that if you also look at U.S. politics to this day, there is a certain classism inherent within the system. And that, that's that been there since day one. So George Washington, everybody looks at as this, or all these historians, oh, what a lovely guy, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, sure, fantastic dude, why not? Okay, he could be. But um, a lot of the problems that that are inherent in Europe today, but that are also inherent in the United States today, I think stem from all of these uh, sort of historical doctrines and um, in many ways, these sort of policies of expansionism um, and classism, essentially. It hasn't changed. You don't have kings, you don't have earls, you don't have barons, but we know you've got robber barons. Mm -hmm. 
but it's it's a bit different. It's it's landowners. It's people who own property and and like in in the moment of the revolution, it's it's just people who are fighting to keep their land and to continue to grow their land. You know, like this this is very much a a war for landowners by land like in some cases like i'd say in most cases it was done by landowners but it was also just done by anybody who could do it you know like if you were a young dude and you were capable you were pretty much just thrown into the continental army because well we don't have a fucking army right now. Like everybody's getting fucking slapped in the face by the Brits and we're trying our best to just kind of keep pushing boys out there. And like you got to get as many as you can get. And so like when George Washington did start the the Continental Army, it was just a group of like random individuals who weren't particularly trained and didn't really know too much about like like maybe some hunters and people who knew how to use weapons, but like they were not military trained whatsoever. Like these were people who were just like, I have my land and I've got a gun. I guess I'm going to I'm going to go fight the British because I, I, I agree with George Washington and I agree with like standing against that. And like it feels very much like this this is just a war for one class like you said like this is a class party like this is a class war that's going on and it is just for this class to just continue to expand and and we'll see in the future that they do like dramatically (laughs) and how many people get pushed out because of it like the native americans are not kindly treated (laughs) at all throughout the course of american history and what sucks is that like even a president later on, like much later on that I can think of that I feel as though is commended is going to like, he, he even fucking mistreats the native Americans. And it's just this fucking, like we, we do not respect the land that we are on as Americans. And we just have continued to push the people who were here first out. And it's just painful to like, that that's what we did and that that's what it led to was like the revolutionary war led to us being able to have our manifest destiny and continue to push out west like and we pushed far man (laughs) and we didn't stop many wars happened it was not pretty yeah and and this is also as you say um a, a kind of burden that was carried by a number of presidents um, and so we, we will look at this um, as, as we sort of uh, you know, go through our series yeah. um, of at least 46 episodes. I think depending on when we finish, <laughs> it may be 47 as well. It but may anyway, be, we'll see, yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that develops. Um, and also, it's important in in the discussion of George Washington's presidency that you mention, obviously, the the War of Independence, because, I mean, it started as, you know, taxation without representation. Um, so, you know, people were working over there that fled, the you know, the Europe um, to sort of make a life for themselves, um, to sort of do whatever it was that they had to do. Um, but then to have this expectation to then pay a certain amount of that profit to a person who lived you know i don't know how many miles away um at some point became galling because their interests were not represented by the yeah. crown 
Um, but then later on in, so there was, okay, the war between France and England and Washington chose to remain neutral um, in this particular uh, yeah. state. Um, but then there was something called the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, and this is a bit of a, a contradiction with regards to Washington because... Does that, is that also known as the Shays Rebellion? Or are those two different rebellions? I'm going to look that up real quick. But keep yeah. going, cause, just because yeah. I'm curious. Because I, I wrote something down about Shays Rebellion, and the whole time I was just like, that's interesting. Like, But keep going with uh, the Whiskey Rebellion real quick. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that they, they introduced this tax on liquor, and people started then complaining, saying that, look, there's no taxation without representation. So they were saying that essentially you're taking more, or you want to take more money off us, but you're not representing our interests either. And yeah. this is when he, he led or he sent 12,000 volunteers into Pennsylvania uh, to put down this particular rebellion. So I don't know <laughs> if that's the exact same. It's just, honestly, it's similar. Uh, they are different, though. Um, this okay. So uh, with Shays Rebellion, this one happened in eight or 1787. Um, and this was pretty close to the beginning of George Washington's presidency. Or no, actually, this didn't even this wasn't even pre George Washington's presidency. This was during the time of the Articles of Confederation. So the Constitution hadn't even been a thing yet. Um, but the Shays Rebellion, there were a bunch of people who like a bunch of ex-military people who were in the Revolutionary War and they were not being paid like well, like they weren't being recompensated for their service. And um, they had debt collectors that were coming out because of the war and they were only able to pay in hard currency. They weren't able to like take out loans anymore or anything like that. And so these like rural farmers are being like pulled to their ends. And like this dude, Shay, he ends up getting like 20 to 30 dudes to just come down into like the – if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like the capital of New Hampshire um, – and he's just like, fuck these debt collectors. You can't do your job. He's just like, he's pretty much just standing outside of the debt collecting office. And he's just like got his group of dues and they're not going to be able to do their job. And then George Washington gets a general Knox to send roughly 1,200 dudes back down to the same place. And like artillery barrages them and until they just leave. And they ended up fucking off. But like, I just thought that it was really interesting that they were like, no, you're not allowed to get more money because you you fought in my war. Like, I was just like, what the fuck? You fucking killed like 20 dudes just for that? Like, what the hell? And then, like, I mean, the result of that is the Constitution and George Washington becoming president because it was like this moment of like, whoa, our like our national strength, like we d we cannot respond to things like this quickly and so we need to come up with something to make that happen. And so, like, the result of Shays Rebellion is the Constitution and George Washington becoming president. But, like, just fuck, man. What a wild thing to just be like, nope, thanks for fighting in my war, but fuck you anyway. Like, what the f what the fuck, <laughs> man? What a horrible <laughs> thing to do to somebody. Like, yeah. it tracks with how we treat, like, our veterans now still, like – the current VA is really shitty. Like if you worked in the CIA, a lot of the time, if like you end up 
like retiring from the CIA, you don't get compensation for working for the CIA because they can't show that you ever worked for the CIA. Like it's one of those situations where it's just like, what the fuck, dude? I helped you out so much, but like you're not even going to fuck you. <laughs> like what the fuck, man? That's crazy. <laughs> we may have to rename this episode the F-U-C-K episode. But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Uh, as I referred to earlier, that you, you do <laughs> – you contribute a considerable amount of uh, literal color. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay, it's not quite the same uh, rebellion, but it's the same tactic employed yeah. by uh, Washington. And, and maybe this is where he, he he sort of proves successful in these battles, because he, you know, if somebody's got 20 people, then I'll bring 1,200 people. Yeah. And uh, if you're a few uh, you know, whiskey distillers, then I'm going to bring 12,000 guys and I'm going to kick your ass. So, Can I get a kick um, you out of the dirt? Bit of a bully, I think yeah. you can say, is old Mr. Washington or Mr. President, Mr. President Washington over here. Um, <laughs> but this is this does kind of suggest that nothing really has changed, has it? It's you, you bully people into submission and it doesn't matter about I mean, people talk about morality and people talk about him being a wonderful person. Um, and, and and also it's interesting that he he, he's, he wasn't particularly religious. Um but this also comes up, um, I think, in, in some ways to contribute to the fact that, OK, he may have had specific morals, but that morals could have changed to suit the situation that he desired. So yeah. when those people were fighting for him, they were his guys. Yeah. But as soon as as soon as their interests sort of focused on you know, their own just cause, um, then he didn't give a shit. Yeah, it's very much I. Like using the people that he had when he needed them and then kind of just forgetting about them once you like the use was over his like cabinet is is a really interesting group of individuals because I think that I think that General Knox really had a big influence on how he handled rebellions and things like that, because like General Knox's philosophy was pretty much just like put it down before anything can happen like before anybody gets out of hand it needs to be taken care of immediately <laughs> like and so i imagine that that's why we see these drastic numbers of individuals come for really small people because it's it is a show of force at a show of like we have a country happening right now and you're gonna fuck with it like fuck you here's an army that's gonna fuck your shit up like and that's very much how it feels and that's how it felt is like just you're fucking with my plans guys <laughs> like stop and and like i think luckily because of shay's rebellion like we did see the the formulation of our constitution and like the the articles articles of confederation finally like going away but it's just this like Oh, my God, dude, just utilize the people that you have as soon as you have them. And as soon as they're just not useful, just fucking getting rid of them. And it's just like his cabinet is full of people who are all close to him for a long time, which is interesting. Like General Knox, Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's first name, but it's Randolph something, uh, Edmund Randolph. Um, these are all in like people who had kind of just been in, in Washington's life for a considerable, a considerable amount of time from like the Revolutionary War to Washington's end of presidency. So like 
it's not a huge amount of time, but that's a long, like that's a long amount of time to be with somebody in this time period and to develop a relationship and to like really have an influence on how you take care of situations, how you are like who you're talking to, like your circle is going to influence how you take care of situations like my circle influences how I communicate how I talk to people how I behave like George Washington is in a similar situation with like his circle is also a bunch of just like rich white dudes who value their land and their property and so we're going to see pretty much that perspective only for the, the United States to move forward and it's like I feel like we don't really end up seeing any like diverse uh, representation until much later on and that's just like uh just shitty like yeah. just sucks we'll, we'll come to those obviously elements when we sort of move further into um you know our presidential list um it's yeah. interesting as well i mean we'll we'll talk about jefferson soon because obviously he he has a, an episode to himself yeah um, but alexander hamilton um is one character who um a, a lot has been attributed to him so especially building the framework of the national banking system mm. um and, and indeed uh, the decision to take on the debt of the, the sort of 13 states um, and just, you know, that, that policy of assumption, therefore, allowing the, this sort of fledgling uh, nation to grow um, very much helped consolidate Washington's position. Mm. Um, however, he was towards the end also um, unpopular. There were contrary voices to some of the decision making. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's not even though history has been sort of written, or at least a number of biographies have been written in a way which looks at him as though he was, you know, I don't know, the sun shined out of his <laughs> ass. Um, clearly, that wasn't always the case. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that goes for like, I mean, we're talking about Hamilton now, right? No, no, no. I was talking about Washington, but you could talk about okay. Hamilton too. <laughs> I mean, I mean honestly, all the same. Either, either way, like they're all like, yeah, they're all the same. Like it's the they're pretty much all the same, like just white dudes that are all doing the same kind of shit. Like it like that. Like I, I was like, I mean, yeah, this is that's all very true for Hamilton as well. Like that that everybody kind of sees him as like this shining star. And like because, I mean, there's a fucking musical about him that that sheds not a lot of light on like the not so great things about him and it's just kind of like we gloss over so much of this stuff and the sun was definitely shining out of george washington's ass there's a photograph of that somewhere i promise <laughs> um no i i just i think it's so interesting that we we do just put so much praise on them and just so much like thanks for being the first president i didn't ask you to like it's some it feels like one of those things you know what i mean like i don't need to celebrate you for doing something that i didn't really ask you to do or don't like I, i'm not particularly fond of what you've done like i don't really enjoy america as it stands currently so i'm i don't feel particularly fond towards many of these people like it's it's just the setup of like I'm excited to see like how these connections intertwine with like the future of America, because like this setup really is just like, yep, nope, this is what America is like very much still to this day. Like 
racist, misogynistic. We don't want to talk about slavery because it's definitely not a thing, but we still are like America still performs like it's difficult to talk about, but America does definitely still perform slavery to, to some degree. Like our our prison system is fucking horrendous and like people do work uh like our forced labor camps in prisons and like it's not framed that way and it's very particularly framed that not framed that way but there like in the south in particular there are many people and specifically black people that are in prison for like practically nothing that are forced to work without any compensation and like we act like slavery is dead we act like the purchasing of individuals is dead but like in a lot of ways it really hasn't changed that much because there are still people who are forced to work and are forced into these situations that they shouldn't be in and very much because of their race and who they are as an individual like just because they look different than than me and like it's just such a fucked up thing like you look at it in the past and it just hasn't changed. Like we think about all this progress that has happened in the past century and a half and even longer. Like, I mean, the past century and a half is only like 1850, 1860. So like going back further and further, it's just nothing has changed. We haven't made much progress. It feels so like we're still so behind and like, the idea of America being the shining beacon for the world for from the time like for as long as America has been a thing like America has never stood for the right reasons and George Washington certainly didn't like this America that we're talking about today like on this episode did not stand for the right reasons like it, it's really weird to look at it and just be like, fuck, man, nothing has changed. Why? Like what? And, and then you get to this place where it's just like, what what do you do? Like, what are we supposed to do when things just aren't changing? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's tricky. Yeah, I, I tell you, there are so many things that you mentioned. That <laughs> I, I think we could keep on going for hours, but I mean, we, we um, you know, we'll have to, you know, start to reel it in. But I mean, yeah. j- just to mention, you know, a, a couple of additional facts with regards to George Washington. So I mean, he was a very sickly president. He suffered from lots and lots of diseases. He may have even, mm-hmm. he almost died, I think, and perhaps you know, would not have even been able to, you know, continue uh, as a president quite early on. I think in his life. Yeah. Um, he, I think he, 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 at the end, he only had one tooth that was his own, uh, from what some of the stuff that I've read, um, he had a horse's tooth. He had teeth from other people, perhaps from some of his slaves. Um, but he didn't have a wooden tooth. Uh, I'm reliably informed. Um, (laughs) he wrote letters prodigiously, perhaps up to about 18,000 of them, one of which he sent as a love letter to his best friend's wife, <laughs> uh, Sally Fairfax. Um, <laughs> That's fucking so. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, yeah, and he probably produced more uh, whiskey than any one individual in the history of uh, whiskey production. So 11,000 gallons. Then to, then to put down a whiskey rebellion. 
Yeah. Sounds pretty hypocritical. Yeah, so it's uh, that's quite a bit. Um, in his, but yeah. In regards mm. to his letters, I I read a really cool little story about um, there was this uh, enslaved woman who ended up learning like being given the opportunity to learn Latin and Greek and English, and she could read and write and speak it very well. Um, and she ended up writing George Washington a letter um, at the beginning of the Revolutionary War. And George Washington actually sent a letter back to her, like, miss her name, which was super uncommon for the time, like being really respectful to the woman who was enslaved. And I was just like, that is a really like I'm sure that this is just like a cherry picked thing. But like I was just like, that's kind of a cool like little story like he did he wrote a lot of fucking letters like you can there's so many documents out there of george washington's that like and he he just everything that he wrote is interesting and in my opinion it's worth reading just for like the way that he can communicate because i think george washington had a very specific way of writing and communicating that felt really unique and a lot of the stuff that i've always read of his i've been like you do seem like you kind of know what you're talking about. Like, like you, you, you've got like a good head in there somewhere. It's just fucking clouded by all this other shit. Like, well spoken, well read. Like, I think that just happens for people. Like, you can, you can still be a horrible person and be well read and well spoken. <laughs> well, I mean, I think exactly that particular um, characterization is. You know, also exemplified in this letter that he wrote to Sally Fairfax. So at the beginning, he talks about his love for a person. And then halfway through, he decides, oh, screw it. Come on, you know, it's you. Um, <laughs> and so therefore, there is this this kind of sort of almost a literary approach where you build up an element, an element of excitement and then boom, yeah. you know, there's the twist. Um, so, yeah, he, he could also perhaps have become quite an interesting fiction writer. Um, oh, man, that honestly, I think I'd be more cool with that. <laughs> he would have just fucking fucked off to Mount Vernon and wrote some like sci-fi or fiction or something. <laughs> yeah, but then the, the slaves might not have appreciated his presence there the whole yeah. time. Yeah, uh, he just sits there and he's like, "Work, do something. I do not like this. I gotta write." Yeah, yeah. Writers can be quite um, interesting characters, um, but let's. Yeah. Let's come back to this one. This was so one final element which he's been really highly praised for because somebody who didn't crave power was that he decided at the end of his second term and uh, that he would not run for re-election. Right. Um, now, I think that's partially because he probably wasn't in, in the best of health, um, as has been sort of explained. And there are many, I suppose, other references which talk about this. I think he just couldn't be bothered anymore. There was a lot of disharmony in, in the government and in, in the area. People didn't really feel that. I think he was driving them in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but this is represented now as his sacrifice because <laughs> you know he he wasn't he didn't want to be the person in the throne or sitting on the throne um and i think that's also potentially slightly bending reality a bit how, how do you see it yeah absolutely it's it's bent in this like it's it's altered very slightly because i mean it it's 
it's not not the truth. You know what I mean? Like it, he he didn't want to continue after his second term. So so they can be like he 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 made this the great sacrifice of stepping down. And it's it's one of those things of just like no, this dude was fucking sick. He was having like heart attacks in office. He was coughing his heart out. Like the homeboy is not in good shape. Like and when you got one tooth Nobody wants you to be president. Just being honest. That's fucking gross and weird. Like, prove me wrong, but I'm... Ugh. Sounds not great. But, like, he just... His his sacrifice is him getting too tired and too old and too sick to keep going that he's like, and now I'm going to be done. Like, that's not a sacrifice. That's... You can just call that retirement or something. Like, just, like, I quit my job. I don't know, unemployment, like it's something, man. Like it's not a sacrifice because it, it just isn't like you're not stepping down for a noble cause. It wasn't it wasn't because you were like somebody else should take my place because I don't want to have all this power. I'd just be too much. It was just uh, I'm I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm ready to go back to Mount Vernon and die in three years <laughs> like and and so like John Adams steps in and becomes next president. Like it it ends up just being this weird fucking like framing of how how he it was done in the past, but just like framing it so that way it seems like this this heroic action. Like everything is framed for for George Washington to be a heroic action, even stepping down from office. Like that is seen as such a great thing. And it's weird, man. It's weird. Yeah, and another snippet of uh, you know, information, whether or not this is completely true, I, 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 it doesn't matter at this stage, who cares? <laughs> but apparently in, in 1789, his presidential salary represented 2% of the total U.S. budget. So um, Damn. Clearly, <laughs> clearly the budget wasn't particularly great at the time. Yeah. Um, however, um, yeah, 2%, I think this term 2% is something that we should we should consider um, later on as well. Um <laughs> Because the the number two and percent um, those figure um, in some kinds of decision making uh, later on in U.S. history, especially in finance. Um, okay, um, Aiden, before we go, because we're already approaching the hour mark, yeah. um, we, we we're going to make this really scientific, and we're going to grade our forty six up to now presidents. Yeah. Um, so out of one hundred, where do you rate? Mr. Washington. You know, it's hard because he's not he's not great. He's not horrible. Like we're going to be getting into really fucking skeezy presidents in the future. So I don't want to like shoot him real low right out the gate cuz he is kind of like I'd say in the middle but more on the lower end of the middle. So like I'm going to sit with a comfortable 43 actually no i take that back 37 37 was my initial feel but it felt a little too low but i'm gonna go with my gut 37 okay 37 out of yeah i'm gonna write that down yeah so the original gw (laughs) gets uh gets 37 out of how do you feel about it 
Do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one. Um, I, I think it's a bit low. Uh, to be honest, I, I would have rated him higher than that. Uh, I'd have put him in the in, comfortably in the 50s. Um, yeah. But I, I'm yeah, but I'm happy to go with 37. To hell with it, you know. Just I, got to live a little, right? I just I don't want. I, I just don't think that he really was all that impressive. And in a lot of my research, I was just like, this is just a lucky dude with a lucky spawn point with a good set of cards that he had or just like he played his cards right, you know, like and I I can't commend you for being lucky. I just have to commend you on your actions as an individual. And 37 points is decent. (laughs) I think we're going to get into some people who are going to be definitely below 37. Uh, I, I think so. I, I think we may even have to establish uh, some minus uh, yeah, scales like, as well. Can we for get some... into the negative? <laughs> <laughs> I think we may actually venture into that particular area because, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now that's a, but that's really interesting though because if we start with George Washington at 37 out of 100, then that makes it extremely interesting to see how some of the other presidents later on figure. Um, in the analysis and i think like for a perfect 100 like man that i don't think that that's possible and i think that even getting into the 90s like being a good president is a fucking hard task and i think that like placing george washington at 37 is only to exemplify that it is such a difficult task and that it is just simply not going to happen like you can't have a president who is like i'm the bee's knees i'm awesome all the time like no there is not a single one even the people that i think are cool are not cool like my favorite president is not a good president that's just Mm. the truth we're definitely going to be getting into the negative and in my opinion we might even be getting there within the next two episodes (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll see we'll see (laughs) yeah cool okay um brilliant aiden what can i say um you you entertain during um and you i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna find it really entertaining editing as well to be honest um yeah but thank you very much thanks for your insight your research your efforts your thoughts um and also just the your, your very very sincere and straightforward speech thank you very much zach i always appreciate coming here it's such a fun time Excellent. All the best to you. See you next time. Yeah, to you as well. Two and a mic.